0: While I'm bringing myself to focus on this, I'd like you to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, which I'll get to as I share with you something by way of a a, a prophetic revelation, which I believe uh, is is from the Lord. And I've been so excited over the last 48 hours, as Amanda knows, I woke up uh, two days ago, having had the most wonderful wonderful dream now how many people have ever had a prophetic dream a dream that's prophetic in any way whatsoever nobody yeah then many of you will know that there are some prophetic dreams which are so clear and so Perfectly fulfilled um, that there seems to be no interference from human uh, thoughts, but it's something that is directly from the Holy Spirit. I'm not suggesting that the dream I'm about to share with you is is exactly like that in everything, but what i what I do myself is after a dream where I just know there's something substantially prophetic in it, I go and talk to the Lord about it. And one of the guiding principles of prophetic interpretation of dreams, or indeed the interpretation of prophetic dreams, is you you focus on what was the main thing, what was the thrust, what was the main thing And the impression that you you leave with and you wake up with. Um, And that's what I did. And this dream concerned, concerned Kensington Temple. It concerned you and the wider network, London City Church. And the dream focused in on this building which is interesting to me because our focus has not been so much on the building. Now, you're here tonight and you've come to the building. Um, There are many who are not focused on the building. Maybe they're waiting for coronavirus to be completely over. And... We teach so clearly that the building is not the church. This is a church building, but it's not a church. Now, in the proper dictionary definition, it is a church because the dictionary definition of church is a public, a place of public Christian worship, right? But that's not the Bible definition of church. The Bible def- definition of church is, is the people. In relationship with Christ and with one another, gathered in a community, connected in a community. Church is not flicking from one live stream service to another. And now we have the luxury of picking up live stream services all over the world and we become like people popping in popcorn sitting in front of the television and have exchanged Netflix for live stream. And there's some great stuff to be gained by checking out what the Spirit is saying in different places. But when you're in church community, you are linked by the Holy Spirit to a body of people that you cannot just simply break free from and dismiss unless the Lord truly is in that. And that happens sometimes but not nearly as much as people think. So church is not just the building. However, in my dream, I found myself in Kensington Temple building. um, And I don't know how it started, but I, I came into this in the middle of a service, or at least at the very beginning. And the Kensington Temple building was packed with people, packed to overflowing. Everywhere was packed. The aisles, the platform was packed. There was just a small gap in the front and the cleaner was saying, how do I clean this in between the surfaces? Well, just clean the gaps. And then right up in the balcony, I was up in the balcony with Amanda and I, I was standing and Amanda was sitting And I just took in what I was seeing and hearing and feeling and sensing. This was no ordinary gathering. This was a gathering of people that had been called together by the Holy Spirit. There was nobody standing at the front conducting the service. It's almost as if this was a a pre-service, you know, the service had not yet begun, but the service was well underway because God's Spirit was there. People were so full of joy. People were so excited of the, at the presence of the Lord and certain people were so intensely involved in their spiritual communication with the Lord and with one another that, that, you know, I don't even so sure that they would have stopped to listen to, uh, somebody presenting a formal church service. It was happening anyway. And there were people coming in, which I was able to see and discern were new people, people who had come to Christ during lockdown, and this was their first time physically in the building. And when I could see their, see their faces, they were looking around in amazement. They never knew it could be like this. What is this? This sense of, of presence of God, this pre- presence charged, this, the, the atmosphere charged with the presence of God. There were people also, it appeared to me, who were just drawn into the building because they sensed something was going on. They were drawn into the building because they were, had been outside the building and sensed something, and they were nothing to do with KT, nothing to do maybe with any believer, or maybe they were not even believers themselves, but they were, they found themselves here in the gathered congregation, packed full, packed, to the rafters, and as I began to see this, a word welled up within me, a message to the church, and I, I knew I had to give it, But so I was getting ready because pretty soon I'd have to stand up and do this. Uh, uh, And and I was thinking about, well, I haven't got any preparation, haven't got any notes, but it was not uh, a message in front of me. It was a message inside me with a scripture I'm going to share with you in a moment. But as I stood up to prepare for this, I thought, okay, let me turn to the scripture. And for the life of me, I, could, I knew it was in Matthew, but for the life of me, I couldn't remember which chapter, I, and I was struggling with this, but it was, it was like an excitement. It wasn't like a, a, an awful moment. And I became aware of the scripture that said when the glory of God filled the temple, not even the priests could stand and minister for the presence of God. And I felt that I was like one of those people struggling to minister because the glory of God was so present. We've been in situations like that where we've been unable to minister because God's presence had just taken over completely and he was doing the work. I remember an occasion... Um, in the 1990s would it been thousand nine hundred ninety one forget that i don 't remember the time, but it was in the aftermath of what we called the Toronto blessing in those days we had weekly in that month in september uh, that year in September we had uh, daily meetings here, and the power of God hit the place, and people were praying for people and and one man I remember him he was on the staff he began praying he was a rather tall man and he he looked looked a bit you know Funny, going around, praying for laying hands on people. He went right out into the foyer. There's a group of girls there. I can't remember how many. And, and, and he, he said, you want it? They said, yes. He prayed for them. They fell down under the power of the Holy Spirit. And when they stood up, they were speaking in tongues. And they had come in from the bus stop. They hadn't even been believers before. It was something like that, but different. Different. Different, there was a difference about this than the move of god that i'm i 'm talking about uh, from a, a number of years ago, and I became conscious that that you know, while everything was within me, my, I wasn't silenced. It wasn't as if I had lost my focus or, or had nothing to say. The word was burning within me, but I couldn't minister it at that moment because of what God was doing in the house and the glory of God was so strong. And then in a strange way, as can happen in dreams, I found myself outside the building And there was a man of God outside the building, just in Labrook Grove, Labrook Road. And I stood at a distance from this man and he said, give me three days, uh, three evenings in that church and the church will be like that every service. Then we went on to, I'm not giving you his name, because that is we're going to put out for testing, but the point was, was we entered in discussion and the discussion was like this. The devil tries to shut this down. And that's what all this is about. And I reminded him, yeah, the devil's tried to stop this, but he hasn't succeeded. Listen to what's going on inside the building. Then when I came back in the building, I found the layout was a little bit different. You know what dreams are like? Yeah, I knew it was Kensington Temple building. The layout was a little bit different. And for some reason, I was able to walk around the building and, and, and be on the same level down here as well. I don't know whether I just floated down, but anyway, you know, you know what dreams are like. And there, uh, the church seems it's even bigger than it is today. Uh, and, And there were groups of people. Now they were kind of, um, organized. Uh, in their cell groupings, kind of, not not exactly. It wasn't exactly like people were just sitting with their cell members, but they'd obviously come together and they were ministering to one another uh, in this time uh, and and uh, talking. and And I was well, walking past and just listening and asking questions. And one of the men cell leaders said, "You know, well, th- we, this is what we've done." And he was talking to the group and, and uh, talking to people around him and he said, this is what we've done. And he listed all the things that they've done where the cell leaders themselves have taken the initiative to reach out and to there was a lot of calculating going on. There's a lot of numbers and number crunching and things like that that they were doing, which I'm sure was setting goals and targets and reaching people who could reach people who could reach people. And, and, and he sort of said, this, this is why all these pe- all these people are here. And the interesting thing for me is while I was standing at the back and unable to preach because I just couldn't find my way and it wasn't the right moment, uh, everybody else was missing. The platform was full of congregational members. There was no other place for them, but there's a symbol in that because the the, the the senior minister was at the back not able to say anything not because he was being rejected pushed out or not listened to but it was just not the right moment and God had taken over in a different way and now the ministry uh, on the platform was coming from the congregation and the ministry uh, in the congregation was the same as the ministry on the platform there was this total transference of ministry not just upon a senior leader or or a ministerial team of those who dubiously call themselves reverend but it was that every believer in the building was charged with the presence of God fully manifesting the purposes of God and fulfilling the mandate of God and the commandment of Jesus Christ to preach the gospel and win the lost they were doing it and not just in the way we're doing it now the way we're doing it now is a little laborious we're doing it out of discipline and people are working extremely hard. But, uh, and that is not everybody in the church, to be frank. Not everybody. There are key people are doing great job of reaching the lost and, and discipling one another and building up uh, the, the body of Christ. People who are accepting that it's their responsibility to allow the Holy Spirit to use them through which, in a way in which Jesus is building his church. They are being used of the spirit to grow the church. They have accepted responsibility to grow the church. And so there's this manifestation of that same anointing that was on the senior leader to be upon the people working in the church and enjoying the ministry. And the, the difference between now and then is this. If you recall, Moses, in the early days of his ministry, was seeking to govern the people of God on his own. You recall that? And he was exhausted and his father-in-law Jethro said, what are you doing? You're going to wear yourself out. And Jethro said, I'll give you some advice. Take those who are capable of leading tens and hundreds and thousands, captains with different abilities, and give them responsibility over all the people of God. And they will deal with the basic cases and the more difficult stuff will come up to you. But in that way, you won't wear yourself out, but everybody's needs will be met. And it was a calculated dividing up of the tribes into groups with leaders. But if you read the scriptures, you find not very long after that, Moses is in the same position. It's all too much for him. Jethro's structure was not enough. And the cell structure is not enough. It's not enough just to have organizational cells, or cell, church, or... Um, Organized into cells. The organization is not enough. We need the second thing. And this is what Moses experienced. God said to him, Gather the elders, the 70 elders, gather them, and I'll take the spirit that's upon you and put it upon them. And that's exactly what happened. He said this load is too much for you but they must catch the spirit of the leader not just have the organization that comes from the leader. And if our cells are just human organization as efficient as it is, it's not enough. People need to catch the vision, catch the spirit, the spirit of God that lies behind the vision. And that same spirit must be transferred from those in senior leadership who carry this day and night, who have the anointing. And that anointing must be transferred to the leaders and to the rest of the body of Christ. And you recall what happened. Joshua, who was Moses' assistant, discovered that two elders never showed up to the meeting. There are always people who don't show up to the meeting, by the way. But they were not excluded because the Spirit came on them when they were outside the camp. And the same thing happened to them as happened to the others. They began to prophesy. But in the camp, after a while, they stopped prophesying. It was a sign the Spirit of God had come upon them, but the elders outside the camp didn't know that, and they kept on prophesying, and Joshua came running tails to, to Moses and said, these people are prophesying, you're the prophet, you've got to stop them. And Moses smiled at the younger man and said, you know what, you're jealous for me, you don't have to be. I wish that all God's people were Prophets. And then he put his spirit upon all of them. And Moses' wish became Joel's explicit prophecy. In the last days, in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Well, then we just proved that one. And so here is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit which was which was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God has come not just to anoint a handful of people who become supercharged, superstars, super performers in the kingdom of God. God's Spirit is God's gift, blood bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ for all God's people who can rise up with a powerful anointing and do the works of Jesus Christ. And that was the, the transformation, the, the uh, transference that I saw. People were burning with, with as much fire and fervency, with as much eloquence and passion, with as much strategic revelation as is upon the senior leader falling upon people in the church. And the other thing that I saw uh, uh, and what this relates to Is that what we saw, what I saw in that dream, presumably after lockdown because, you know, that we weren't, we weren't socially distanced. So when all this is over and we can gather freely and fully as we did before, the church will be filled with the glory of God. And by that, I'm meaning, I'm meaning the building, the church building will be filled with the glory of God and people shall be drawn here and they shall experience God in a new way and God's house shall be filled and abundant supply will flow into God's house. Fresh power, authority, passion, purity will be here and it will flow from the house of God. And what we will see in those days will be the fruit of what the Spirit is doing now. And has been doing in London, in our hearts, and in different places in the world. I'm not saying this is exclusively ours. This is God's plan for his, for the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. And so that was the manifestation of the work of God that is happening and has been happening right the way through this year from February and, and March onwards, we, we haven't fully understood this or appreciated how much the Spirit of God is working, working in our hearts and working in the hearts of our neighbors and moving uh, uh, upon people's lives and, and dealing with them and speaking to them and purifying them and preparing them for that day when that lockdown is over and we shall see the manifestation of the tears of intercession and the prayers and the study and the acts of repentance and the acts of compassion and the acts of love and support and the energy that we've poured into other people during this time and how we've prayed, how we've supported and how we have faithfully Sustained the ministry. How we have faithfully given of our tithes and offerings in a sacrificial way during times of economic uncertainty. God's people rose up when and shall continue to rise up with an economic certainty that God is our provider and that we shall not be, not live in lack. Amen and amen. Yeah, give God praise. Now, so I haven't quite discharged. There's a little bit more to go. Uh, but it's not just the work of the Holy Spirit in dealing with our hearts and in keeping us. Although there'll, there'll be a lot of changes, a lot of coming and going. but there'll be more people coming than going, that's for sure. And the work of the Holy Spirit during the season which we have been through and are still in is, is as much his work like the good shepherd going and finding people and the Holy Spirit drawing people to Christ. Quite extraordinary people. I will not be surprised. In fact, I would confidently say it that in that day we will be amazed at who got saved in lockdown. People who haven't really even got yet connection with us. And they will come in. Maybe even people in this neighborhood who've never understood who we are, never understood what we do, never understood that we are the salt and light of the earth who don't understand that in this generation of bad news, we are a good news people and we are the only one who have a hope who have the hope, the only hope, for our city, for our nation, and for our world. And his name is Jesus. Give him a big, big, big praise. Oh, hallelujah. What an amazing thing. Now I want to try and get to the word that was in my spirit and in my mouth. That night, in my dream, when I stood back up there. Matthew 14, verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. This is church growth. Jesus grows the church. Jesus attracts people. Even people who are sick of the church will come back because of Jesus. Even people who have no confidence in the church are are discovering that Jesus, it's not about Church in the way that people think of church and the, and the way that they perceive church. It's about the presence of Christ. And when Jesus is in the house, the crowds come. It was Jesus that brought them here. It was Jesus that drew them. And it shall be Jesus that shall draw people together in all the worship places in the land. When the move of God hits in full flood, it will be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen and amen. Verse 14, when he went ashore, he he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. I want to tell you this. You can't tell God the day is over. You can't tell Jesus the day is over. The day is not over until Jesus says it's over. And he says it's not over. The day is not over. The opportunity has not been missed. The day has not passed. We still have in our hands, in our grasp, the opportunity to flow with the fullness of God and to marry up to his prophetic purposes and see fruit that we have been unable even to dream of. Now when it was evening, the disciples came, desert place, the day is over. Okay, send the crowds away to go into the village and buy food for themselves. Oh no, this message of the church shall be reversed. It's like a curse almost where the church does not know how to reach out to minister to the real needs of people outside of the Christian community. And so they say, send them away that they might find for themselves, fend for themselves. That is going to be reversed. And Jesus showed us the secret of reversing that. And it shall be no longer said, send them away. Let them fend for themselves. But come, come, come. We will minister to you. Come, we know how to meet your needs. We have the answer. And his name is Jesus. I tell you what, it's coming. But Jesus said to them, they need not go away. That's what he's saying here. They need not go away. In fact, there's nowhere else to go because Jesus has the words of eternal life. And when they see that they need not go away, but they can come and stay because Jesus is in the house, then this house will explode with life, liberty, freedom, joy, manifestations of the Holy Spirit and provision, provision for every area of life. They need not go away and here's the word. This is the word. Are you ready for it? This is the word. You give them something to eat. That's the word. You give them something to eat. And as Jesus said to those disciples, so I say to you in the name of Jesus, you give them something to eat. Now right now, you should feel what the disciples felt. What? How can we do that? We've got nothing. All we've got is a boy brought his lunch, five loaves and two fish. Total inadequacy. But this is what the word had been, this was the word that had been spoken over the people who had gathered in my dream. They had been hearing from Jesus, you give them something to eat, and that's all they did. That was the only strategy. There was nothing clever, but the realization that they had been anointed by Jesus Christ and gifted with his divine abilities and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the provisions of the flow of God in their lives so that they had a fresh capacity to do what they could not do before, give hungry people something to eat when they themselves were not physically or naturally capable of doing it. What a transition. What a transformation will come when we realize what Jesus has placed in our hands. And that's what he does. You know the story. He breaks the bread, but let me slow down. I was going to rush up. I'm not going to slow down. So first thing he said, sat them, sit them down in companies. Now this is extraordinary. This is absolutely extraordinary. He sat them down in order and alignment. Order and alignment, which is preparation to receive a miracle. Order and alignment. I've been saying that so many times in recent days. Now, the order and alignment is not enough. Something else needs to happen. Jesus receives the humble offering of a young boy. Nobody's too little. Andrew, M.T., speaking to the kids' ministry. Nobody's too little. And sometimes it'll take the simplest person in the church bringing the simplest but the most profound offering to Jesus, which triggers off the revival and the multiplication. So Jesus, it's now in Jesus' hands And anything that is placed in his hands is set for a miracle. The right place to be is in the hands of Jesus. Are you in the hands of Jesus tonight? I mean, don't just say, well, yeah, underneath everlasting arms. Have you placed yourself as an act of simple yet profound consecration in the hands of Jesus Christ knowing that that's the best place to be, and nothing shall touch you, and none shall pluck you from that place, but in that place you will find supernatural authority like you've never known before. And you will be so involved in the miracle, but you will know it has nothing to do with you. It is everything to do with the power of the man in whose hands you are. Put yourself in the hands of Jesus right now, whoever you are under the sound of my voice. If you don't know Jesus, put yourself in his hands right now and he'll hold you tight and you'll walk with him forever in eternity. And on this earth you will walk hand in hand with your fellow brothers and sisters who love him with an equal passion that you will learn to love him. And then... Still, it was not right. Something else had to happen. And here is the most beautiful moment in all of this. The Bible says that Jesus looked up to heaven. Wow. I want to fully discharge this tonight. We'll get down to some prayer, but it's so important that the whole KTLCC network and anybody else who is wanting to be part of this, to hear this as best as I can give it to you tonight. He looked up to heaven. Imagine that for a while, for a moment. What did that look like? Why would he look up to heaven? Heaven was where his father was. Heaven is a place. It's not just a realm or a dimension. It's a place created by God where he dwells and manifests the fullness of his glory, where there is no resistance to his will. Jesus had come from heaven. He'd come from the Father's side. And he looked up into heaven and gazed on the face of his Father. Father facing obedience, father facing submission, and father facing intimacy. All those things Jesus meant to model for us. Worship. Worship. Worship the King. Worship. Worship. Worship the Lord Almighty. The only wise God. The only ruler. The only ever-living, uncreated, eternal God who was and who is and is to come. He is your Father. And I imagine that Jesus made eye contact with the Father. And in those moments, can you imagine the significance of them or what they meant Some of it is like this. Oh, Father, I've always been with you. And I'm longing to be with you again. And I know I shall be with you again when I have finished the work that you've given me to do. And how I miss the fellowship and the intimacy of dwelling in your immediate presence. And how I long to be home. How I long to reveal you. So I ask you in these moments, do something, Father, that will manifest your glory and take me one step closer to the fulfillment of my mission. That's how I imagine it. And in that moment of communion between heaven and earth, heaven and earth were not separated, but joined in the manifestation of God on this planet in the person of Jesus Christ, promising the moment will come when heaven itself will descend and, and God will bring it uh, and bring earth to heaven and heaven to earth and, and there will be no barrier between us and him at all, only unbroken, unmitigated, eternal communion and service and joy. No wonder the fish and the bread just didn't stand still, but were getting ready to burst out in multiplication. I tell you what, those fish and those bread were so excited. I can imagine the fish saying, I haven't had so much fun since I was swimming in the sea. Now the miracle was not that which took place in the hands of Jesus. He was the authority behind the miracle. but The miracle took place in the hands of the disciples. He gave them fragments and they broke those fragments, multiplying as they did. Multiply. And you know, at the end of it, 5,000 people, besides women and children, ate, fed, there were 12 baskets of fragments left over. That would make an amazing bread and butter pudding. There's no doubt about that. So what was the word? up, send them away. There's no need for them to go away. You give them something to eat, but I've got nothing. Oh, yes, you have. What have I put into your hands? These fragments, these few scattered thoughts, ideas, which I stumble to express No. The moment you step out in obedience, God equips you to give them something to eat. The bread of life, the bread of hope. You don't have to worry what you're going to say. God will give you the words. And there are people, thousands of them, all over the place hungry, and we're about to ignore them. We're about to send them away. So they don't look at us. I remember once as a very, very young minister, and I never did this again, and a lady came for counseling. She was the biggest moaning mini in the church, and she'd come every day for hours of counseling. And I listened to her one day, for just five minutes too long. And I said, Listen, lady, you're listening to you. I want to tell you, I've got more problems than you have right here and now. I can tell you that. Um, but that's not what people want to hear. You say, Don't come to me. I've got more problems than you have. No, you have a living Savior. You have the authority of the name of Jesus. You have the Scriptures in your hands. You have God's word dwelling in your heart. Don't don't say you've got nothing. But even the little that you have that you feel Jesus has given you, when you give them something to eat, the miracle takes place. And it was exactly that that have brought those crowds. And it's exactly that that will bring the crowds that I see prophetically now and we shall all see together when this is all done and dusted. God's glory is is, is about to kick off, and I'm just so happy uh, for that dream. I'm so happy. I'm floating on the clouds right now because God has spoken to me, and it's gonna be okay because you are gonna give them something to eat.